All right, welcome back to A Wise Mind presented by Sabino Recovery. My name is Sam Zimmer, and today I'm joined by our Chief Medical Officer, Medical Director, Dr. Aaron Wilson. How are you, Dr. Wilson? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Today we have a couple of topics. Um, one of them, actually, we were just talking about. So, you know, COVID, obviously, the last two years have kind of gone by in a blur. We were talking about how those first few months, though, sounded like or seemed like they were going by pretty slow. But it definitely has had an effect on the world of recovery and specifically on Sabino recovery in our day-to-day -day lives dealing with residents and stuff like that. How did COVID kind of affect our treatment center and the residents here? Yeah, you know, I, I think on kind of a global global stage, if you will, I mean, it has had huge impacts just on recovery in general, right? I think people right out of the gate lost the foundation that recovery is built on, which is connection with other people, going to groups, belonging to the community. And I think there was this huge gap that immediately became evident. Then very quickly, a lot of treatment centers, ourselves included, looked at ways that we could reconnect people, right? A lot of people went towards virtual services. A lot of outpatient clinics started doing virtual IOPs and PHPs and those types of things pretty quickly. People that were not tech savvy immediately had to become tech savvy and figure out how that all worked. And so I think that was the first big movement. I think here at, you know, Sabino Recovery, we immediately had to, you know, pivot the way we did things. We, of course, infection control became the, the absolute top priority and everything revolved around that just to make sure that People felt safe coming here, that our residents were safe while they were here, that they still had a good experience. And we can talk a little bit about how we maintain that. Um, but, I, you know, as far as, you know, business and people coming in and coming in for treatment, I mean, really, it, it re we still had a, a, a lot of people coming in for treatment, honestly, even more at times, just because they had lost that, that sense of community where they came from. Yeah, definitely. And actually, at the time of COVID, um, well, actually, when I first started Sabino Recovery around two years ago, I was in admissions. So we were all kind of holding our breath, like, are people still going to come here? Or, you know, are they scared to travel? But it actually, like you said, at times was even more so because of all of the effects of COVID, right? I mean, people's mental health started to deteriorate very quickly when they couldn't leave their house. And, you know, a lot of times in those kinds of situations, when you're isolating, you turn to some of those maladaptive coping mechanisms that we treat here. So, right. Um, it was kind of a double-edged sword, which was interesting. What were some of the protocols that we had to put in place, like COVID-specific, and maybe some that we're still doing right now? Because obviously we're not quite out of the woods yet with right, the COVID situation. Right. So, so immediately out of the gate, we you know turned to the CDC, we turned to the state for, for any kind of recommendations on the guidelines that we followed. Um, as a lot of people can attest to, it was a little bit of a moving target. Those, those guidelines shifted pretty quickly. So we literally had our team was constantly watching those guidelines just to make sure that we had the up-to-the-minute version of the way that we were doing that. And so we implemented those infection control protocols, you know, social distancing, masking, and, and really maintaining all of that while people were here. We also had to very quickly implement, when it was available, testing protocols before people come into treatment just to prevent anybody from bringing it in. We also had to do the same thing for our staff to make sure people aren't, you know, coming down with COVID locally and bringing it in and affecting our residents here. So we really quickly had to adapt, follow those guidelines, and just make sure that we were following them to a T here. Um, some, of the, some of the unique challenges with that, you know, I think were just social distancing, wearing masks, and feeling like you're still connected in your process group and still able to fully engage in treatment. Our, our clinical director, Shara, did a fantastic job of just making sure people still felt like they were being heard, they were able to communicate effectively, 
Um, we also moved because we're in Tucson, Arizona. We have beautiful weather. Moved some of our activities outdoors. Anything we could do to still allow people to connect but keep them safe. Right. Yeah. Finding that balance was key because you know you can imagine being in a talk therapy appointment with your therapist and having both parties wearing a mask. There's a lot that can be lost in terms of you know nonverbal communication right. and how effective that can be. So. I think we did a pretty good job of, you know, making sure that everyone's safe, but also, like you said, making sure they feel comfortable and foster those relationships that they build while they're here and all that stuff. Yeah. One thing that you kind of touched on, like the technology stuff that came out of COVID. So a lot more Zoom, um, and this is more for like outpatient services and continuing care. But since I had you here, I did want to kind of get your opinion on that. Do you think that in the world of recovery, whether it's substance abuse or mental health related, that the programs that are like primarily Zoom or even offering Zoom, do you, th do you view that as a positive or more of a negative? And I know it can kind of be both. But. Yeah, I, th I, th I think it be, uh, can be a little bit of both. You know, it's interesting before COVID, telehealth and telemedicine, I mean, it was, it was definitely talked about. A lot of people were implementing it primarily for difficult to reach areas or people that lacked access to care. Like if you live in the middle of nowhere and you couldn't get to a psychiatrist if you had to, obviously cutting that down, making it more convenient and still being able to do it. And then COVID entered the room and all of a sudden telehealth was like the main platform that people did any sort of healthcare appointments, even physical medicine switched a little bit to that. So I think it's, it, we've watched this evolution of when it first came out I would be on these Zoom calls with colleagues and they'd say, well, we're doing it. We don't really love it, but it's just what we have to do right now. We can't wait to go back to in person. You know, the pandemic went on, you know, further and further and longer and longer. And then eventually people just became very used to that. And it almost for, for a lot of patients, to be honest, they almost prefer that. We've been sitting here watching to see like, hey, is everybody just going to come piling back into the, the outpatient clinic? And a lot of people just like liking to work from home have realized hey, this is actually a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. I can access my therapist. I can access my, my psychiatrist in the privacy of my own home. I think once we all got past, you know, kind of the awkwardness of Zoom and the awkwardness of just being on a monitor, people have gotten used to that and are a lot more comfortable with it now. Yeah, and two, you know, another positive of, of the, the Zoom boom, as I like to call it during the whole COVID right. era, is, um, you know, recovery models like 12 Steps. You know, I know people who have moved here from California where I'm from and they have their old home group that they never were able to go to. But now almost every Zoom meeting or every, excuse me, AA meeting you can attend on Zoom. So right. I think it does have a lot of positives. Oh yeah, Absolutely. same connected to people where you're from, people mm -hmm. you're comfortable with. There's, there's no substitute for that. For, yeah. So being able to maintain that, even if it's just in the interim while you find a new community or you know recovery community to get connected with. Absolutely. So in terms of like you know, the behavioral health, treatment, substance abuse, the industry at large. Have you seen any trends as a result of the pandemic? I know we touched on probably an uptick in some of those issues, but is that something that has been measured to your knowledge? Is that something that, that you can attest to? Has it gotten a lot worse? You know, there's a lot of ongoing studies. The data usually lags a little bit behind because they're gathering it and mm -hmm. processing it and those types of things. So I don't have up to the minute statistics. I mean, just anecdotally, we've seen, you know, huge upticks, of course, in relapses based on, you know, like we said, isolation and not being connected. I think that we are figuring out how to navigate that a little bit better. So we're hoping that the data will, of course, come down. You know, just in the kind of in the pure mental health space, as far as like depression, anxiety, trauma, Isolation, I would just say as a general rule, isolation is not good for anybody who struggles mm -hmm. with any mental health yeah. issues. And so I think 
We've seen upticks in, you know, depression, making that, you know, exacerbating your depression. Anxiety has gone up. I will tell you that, you know, fear of coming down with COVID has not made anybody's generalized anxiety or panic any better. Um, so it has really provided a lot of fuel to fire a lot of those things. So we've seen huge upticks in that. Um, but again, I think it kind of piggybacks to the, you know, the treatment options for a lot of people with the, the talk therapies and all these different platforms that are coming out. We're seeing a lot more people access those just because it's accessible to them in and in a platform that they're used to. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff out there. There's actually an organization that um, it's a nationwide company that will they will put groups together of folks all over the country based on their specific issues. Right. So, you know, it's specific to that person, those issues that they're dealing with. And, you know, in the United States, there's no, I mean, they even do like, you know, HIV positive groups, right. you know, substance abuse groups, all kinds of mental health disorders. So it has become a lot more accessible and a lot more people are able to find really quality outpatient yeah, treatment. Yeah, I think, I think pairing people up with relevant, you know, mm-hmm. other folks who have relevant struggles, yeah. you know, that, that can resonate with them. It really just, you get a lot more traction when you feel like somebody else's story hits home for you and how they've dealt with that might even, you know, be, be an option for you yeah. too. So not all bad things. Have not all bad COVID. things. We yeah. have found some new kind of ways of doing things. And as far as here on campus, have there been any things that have resulted, like protocols and procedures that have, you know, been born out of necessity during COVID that we've kind of been like, hey, that's a pretty good idea. I think we're going to you know, stick with that and, and kind of make that part of our everyday Sabino life, even post COVID. Yeah, I would think that, you know, truthfully, we as a, you know, specifically the leadership team, administrative team, it has enhanced our ability to collaborate when you're not all on campus, mm-hmm. right? So Zoom meetings and those types of things. So it kind of expanded our, our network of people that we're collaborating with to manage patients. We were probably better able to hop on Zoom calls and discuss cases with your outpatient therapist or your outpatient psychiatrist. So I think it has definitely done that. I think it has catapulted that to a level that we're, we're very happy to, to stay at. Um, we, of course, as, as the CDC and everybody gives us guidance on it, have lessened some of the restrictions just to get back to the, you know, there's just no substitute for being in a process group without a mask on and being close to other people, sure. mirror neurons and all the things that we know so much about. I think that that is, there's, there's no substitute for that, you know, but it is really fine-tuned infection control processes, you know, hand sanitizers, you know, cleaning surfaces constantly. We will continue those things. It's, it, it, we did it before, but I would say it's just even more amplified now. And I, and I think what we will find is it's just, it's best practices mm-hmm. just to continue a lot of that stuff. Because like you said, I think at the beginning, it's, we're, we're not completely out of the woods. I think we will continue to monitor that. But if we keep these practices in place, if there was a new variant or something came down the pike, we would just want to make sure that we were prepared and it wasn't this huge shock to our system like it was for everybody at the, at the beginning. Yeah. And then what are, for like an incoming resident, say, you know, I have a brother who's coming to Sabino or needs treatment somewhere else, but specifically for our treatment center, what are some things that that person would have to do in terms of like getting tested? Like, what does that kind of look like right now? Yeah, so our intake, has a, our intake team does a great job of, of pre-screening, asking, you know, questions, you know, pertinent to, do you have any symptoms? Have you been exposed? Those types of things. That's all, that all happens before you come here. We also will have people get tested before they come to, to Sabino. Um, while people are here, generally, I can tell you, because we're, we're sitting here having this conversation, it doesn't feel like it did during the, the depths of the COVID right. pandemic. It feels a lot more, in quotes, normal. Um, I would say that if anybody does have any symptoms, 
Of course, we monitor that closely. We have a fantastic nursing team. We can do testing here. Um, we can quarantine here if we if we had to. That's not really an issue these days. But of course, we we watch it very very closely. I meet with our director of nursing pretty much every other day just to keep a, our finger on the pulse of that. Um, and then again, we do pay really close attention to rates in the community. We have some off-campus outings that we do just to get people involved in the community. A lot of really fun stuff that they get to go do for team building. Um, we keep a close eye on those rates in the community just to make sure we don't expose people unnecessarily. Yeah, we're really lucky, especially in our specific location, not just in Tucson, but the part of Tucson we are, we're in. We are located in, excuse me, the north end of our property, as you know, backs up to the Sabino Recreation Area, which is some of the best hiking in Arizona. So we try to get those our residents out there as much as we can. And that's obviously yeah, working. It's like working at a national I park. Know. Really yeah. is, we're, spo- yeah, we're spoiled. Driving up the hill every day, looking <laughs> yeah. at the mountains, definitely spoiled. Just remind yourself you work here. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. I take it for granted too. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, no, I think this is a, a very pertinent topic and something that, you know, can be scary, but, um, after talking to you, I, I have to say that I'm a little bit more optimistic. I think, you know, when, when you hear the word COVID, you, you get scared and you think of bad things, but it's nice to know how much positive has actually kind of come out of this situation and, you know, in terms of how we're going to move forward to implementing all those cool new changes that we made. Absolutely. So I know we've obviously addressed substance abuse and the effect that COVID has had on that kind of population. Um, obviously, we're a trauma center here, so we see more than just substance use. I wanted to get your take on, you know, what kinds of traumas has COVID caused for some of the people that have come to our treatment center? And what are some of the things that we've sort of kind of pivoted to be able to offer them in programming and, you know, treat them effectively? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, you mentioned trauma. I think a lot of people throughout COVID have, have had just, you know, really, really difficult experiences, whether they had COVID themselves, you know, got, got very sick, ended up in an ICU. Um, how do they process through that? Where the flip side is, you know, a lot of people lost loved ones that were very close to them, you know, friends, family. And because of the unique nature of, you know, this infectious pandemic, weren't even able to grieve in real time, weren't able to be at the hospital and do all the things that humans are just accustomed to doing to, to process through those feelings. And so there's a lot of these really complicated grief responses that we're seeing. Um, you know, we've also, we've also worked quite a bit with, with first responders, right? So doctors and, and nurses and the people that were on the front lines, respiratory therapists, people that were really there helping those, those people while they had COVID and they experienced just, you know, some of the worst things you can imagine in healthcare. And so Helping all of those different people and their unique experiences with COVID has been a huge focus for us. We saw it kind of developing and evolving while people were coming at the beginning, and now we're just seeing some of the aftermath now. And to, you know, to your to your question about how we how we pivot and how we treat those folks, it's really we've implemented you know increase in grief processing, a lot of trauma processing. We try to put anybody who's had some of those unique experiences to, together with other people that can share those mm-hmm. experiences, and so. It is a huge focus for us now. I think it will be a big focus in the years to come as well. Um, you know, the other thing that we're seeing is just because people got just their, their lives became so much smaller than they were before. A lot of this is helping people get back out into the world and get, you know, reintroduced into society and start to work, you know, outside of their homes. You start to see this uptick in anxiety and all these things that just, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts on it. Yeah. No, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because, you know, 
obviously we touched on it the last podcast with Shar, but I myself am in recovery and I can't even imagine if I was going through like the early stages of trying to get sober during the pandemic, I would not know what to do. You know, like it must've been so confusing and just, you know, that feeling of helplessness that somebody already has when they're in that position. And then, you know, during COVID times, it's like, well, what resources can I tap into to get some relief from this stuff? So I was hoping that maybe you could speak to that too. Like for somebody who's newly figuring out that they need help with some of this stuff, whether it's trauma, mental health, substance use, and they're, you know, navigating the COVID world, what are some things they can do? What are some places they can reach out to, to kind of get some relief? Right. No, it's a, it's a great point. I think, you know, talking to your, to your doctor at home in your hometown, talking to your therapist, if you have one, getting connected to, to those people to help you navigate the system. I think that, you know, for, for all the great things the system, if you will, offers, there's, it's, it's not inherently, it's not intuitive to navigate when you're first in it. Right. And so I think getting connected with somebody who's either in recovery, who can maybe provide some resources, get connected with your primary care physician or your therapist, they can maybe point you in the right direction. I think it's also pretty invaluable to be able to reach out to an intake department at a place like Sabino Recovery, just to say, whether or not you, you go to Sabino for treatment, just say, hey, here's where I'm at. This is, this is the help I need, or I don't know what help I need. Can you point me in the right direction and, and give me some resources, whether it's in your community, wherever you come from, or potentially coming in here? And, and, and the nice thing is, if you do end up in a place like a Sabino Recovery, it's, it's really nice to have professionals and continuing care teams who, while you're doing the deep, meaningful work and you're processing through everything, you have a team of professionals that are helping you navigate the path when you get out. Yeah. Because doing the work here is a huge part of it. But here we are such huge advocates of this is a part of it, but what are we going to do to help you sustain, right? How do you sustain that change? What, profe- what has worked for you here? Let's set you up with those professionals in your community. We want it to be a warm handoff. We kind of look at it as kind of passing the torch to that next professional so they can give you a soft landing when you get back home. Right. And that's what I love about our team so much. It, and it does. It starts an intake. Right. And you know, every one of the folks on our intake team has some kind of relationship, um, either through family members or personal experience to trauma or substance abuse or both. So they get it. And when somebody calls, it's not, it's not, okay, when are you coming to Sabino? It's what is going on with you and how best can I help you? And if it's not a good fit here, let's find the right place for you. And then you mentioned continuing care too. If someone does end up coming to Sabino, they have somebody in their corner who is a professional and has all of those contacts so that it's not just on them. Like you said, the system isn't, it's not intuitive to just navigate it as, you know, a novice, right? Somebody right. who's just starting off, but, you know, there's a team of individuals who's going to help that person find whatever step down level of care is appropriate for them and they don't have to stress out about it. Right. Well, and I think, no, it's, and I think it's so important that when you, you know, the continuing care team, it's not just, hey, we looked on Google, we found this right. beautiful website in your community, because as we all know, you can have a website, mm-hmm. but it's it's places that our team and other teams that we're affiliated with have vetted. We want to send you to a team that is like-minded. We want to send you to a team who is not just in it for the bottom line, that right. they, they really care about you. And so, you know, yourself and a lot of our, our outreach team, we're always out in the communities building those relationships and just vetting those programs to make sure that they were, they're on the same page. Yep. Yeah. There's no substitute for stepping foot right. on campus at a program to really right. see what it's about and meeting people and just making sure that 
it, somewhere where I would send a family member right. to. Right. That's the and, ultimate endorsement. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. We're not going to refer any of the folks that come through Sabino. I mean, it, it basically is a family. We're a very small facility. You know, everyone who comes through our doors, you know, we're going to have a relationship with. So we want right. to make sure we're sending them to somebody, you know, we'd send our our son, our daughter, our yeah. mother, our father. Um, yeah. So I'm very proud that we have such a solid team, yeah. including yourself. Thank you so much. No, oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for your time. <laughs> yeah. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to A Wise Mind podcast presented by Sabino Recovery. To listen to more episodes, just search A Wise Mind presented by Sabino Recovery in your chosen podcast platform. We discuss topics that can be difficult to process on A Wise Mind. There is no shame in seeking help. For resources or to find someone to talk to, please visit the links in the description below.